Welcome back. <laughs> Hello, everyone. It has been a minute since I've had a chance to talk to y'all. This is WRBH 88.3 FM, and I am Babs Wood. This is my first episode of Public Affairs since February of 2020. How are y'all doing? <laughs> my guest today is an extraordinary man. He is the founder and CEO of the Split Second Foundation, which is committed to breaking physical, societal, and research barriers for people living with disabilities. He also serves on several federal, state, and local boards and commissions in order to represent and advocate for people living with disabilities. Notably, Mayor Cantrell appointed him to the Regional Transit Authority, that's the RTA, New Orleans Board of Commissioners, where he holds the positions of vice chair and chairman of the Finance Committee overseeing the planning, implementation, and execution of the agency's $109 million budget. He's one of Gambit's 40 Under 40. He's one of New Orleans Magazine's Ones to Watch. He's received the Millennial Change Makers Award, and he's Xavier University's 40 Under 40. <laughs> I would like to present Mark Raymond, Jr., CEO of the Split Second Foundation. Mark. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Babs. Thanks for having me. Oh, wow. Um, and I have to do the the small New Orleans thing. Uh, you actually know my husband. You're in the same club. Okay. Um, he, I noticed the sticker on the back of your chair. He wanted to say hello. He's a fellow Lazy Boy. <laughs> the Lazy Boys. We roll strong. Yes, yes. Um, they're really looking forward to uh, rolling in 2022. Last oh. year was was off. Um, and then also, I noticed that the director of your foundation, Quantaria, is a fellow of Franklin Falcon. How about that? From, I think from my graduating class, class of 99. I think that's Maybe. right. Maybe. But she was popular. She was a cheerleader. You've got some good people working with oh, you. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. Uh, okay. So... Tell me about yourself. I'll describe the gentleman before you, uh, before me, dear listeners, since we're on the radio. He's a dashing man with a lot of beautiful tattoos and a gorgeous smile, and he's sitting in a pretty space-age-looking wheelchair here. So that's that's Mark uh, Raymond. And Mark, how how uh, were you? Were you born with a disability, or did this happen to you later in life? Uh, I was not born with a disability. I, this happened to me later on in life. July 4, 2016, I had a tragic diving accident in Lake Pontchartrain, which left me a C5 quadriplegic. In that same accident, I also drowned, and um, I didn't regain consciousness for three weeks because when I got to the University Medical Center, I ended up fighting pneumonia, and it became this life-threatening ordeal. Um, when I awoke, doctors told me that I injured my spinal cord and I would be paralyzed. Uh, and as you can imagine, I didn't really know how to take that at that time. It was um, this overwhelming fear, feeling of denial, uh, this feeling that it, it can't be real. Right? How old were you at the time? I was 27. Okay. 27 at the time. Uh, I was working as a broadcast engineer for NBA, NFL, doing all kinds of stuff all over the country. Um, Which involves travel. Uh, lots and lots of travel that I no longer do. Oh, my. Um, but it was a huge life shift for me. And um, learning how to grapple with that level of adversity was really challenging in the first year. I was very isolated after I got discharged from, from outpatient therapy. Um, there just weren't a lot of resources in the New Orleans community or really a community for me to go to to lean on. So you were in the hospital. You were... In your, you were in your 
coma? Is that what you said? For three weeks? You were just unconscious for three we- three weeks? I don't know if there's a difference. I was then, in a pretty much an induced coma. My goodness. And then how long were you in the hospital once after the coma was over? Uh, I spent another three weeks in the ICU before they discharged me to outpatient therapy where I spent six weeks at Two Row Hospital right around the corner. So we're talking about 12 weeks. 12 weeks. 12 weeks in the system and then it's time to go home and and you're th- you're saying that the transition from the system to home was not as as elegant as as one could hope. Oh, not at all. And I don't think it ever is for for anybody who undergoes this level of trauma. Simply because when you're in outpatient therapy, you have access to doctors, nurses, every therapists, day. you know, counselors, case managers every day. Uh, and when you transition back to the home, all of that's on your family. I mean, they still keep up with you a little bit, but... All your family that has jobs of their own. Right. And here you are, someone who used to have a job of your own, and you've gone from being this really exciting fellow running around the world uh, to having just sort of been in a life-changing situation for 12 weeks. And you're doing, there's not someone coming to your house every day to check on you and see what you need is what you're telling me. Yeah. Okay, how long did it take you to go from this place of there's a problem with this situation to, hey, I'm going to be the one guy to change it? Because not, as you can see, before you existed, no one else got the idea to sort of help people with this transition and, and, and change the process. So, so how, how long did it take you before you took things into your own hands? Um, so first it was an acknowledgement of the problem. When I got discharged from outpatient therapy, it was a. I was on a waiting list to. Uh, I'm sorry, not outpatient from inpatient therapy. I was on a waiting list to get to outpatient therapy, and that took nearly a month before I was doing one day of therapy again for a week, um, one day per week, and eventually I was doing two and three. Right. Okay. So, so just to interject, I have TMJ, which is a uh, jaw disorder, and I was in physical therapy three days a week uh, for six months, and you're telling me that with paralysis, you got one day of PT a week initially. To initially. I mean, neuro, so I was going to two rows neuro outpatient, and they had a, a waiting list and a backlog. Um, it, neuro is, uh, is kind of underserved in our community. Uh, so we've been really trying to advocate for more uh, neuro-related facilities, uh, in which there's there's been a lot of growth in that, in that sector in the last five years. But in that time frame for me, it, it wasn't much. Oh, um, my goodness. Um, well, uh, now that I know you were in that unit, I'm sure I could, we could play some more do you knows, but I won't. Um, because, okay, so you, how long were you in this, This, you know, you're sitting around, you're barely in the physical therapy that you need to be in. Several years go by and you decide to make a change. What happens? <laughs> so, actually, I was, um, I probably did outpatient therapy with Turo until uh, July of 2017, and then I left and went to Which California. Which is a full year. You were 2016 was the, the injury. 2017 was yep. when you went to California. Yes. <laughs> and when I went to California, I went to participate in this activity-based therapy program called SCI Fit. And it really changed my perspective on, one, what recovery post-spinal uh, cord injury looked like. And two, what a better model for community wellness could look like. Now, this particular program was a was a for-profit business so i was paying a hundred dollars an hour for you know five two hours a day five days a week so i burned through some cash going to this um 
but it gave me the inspiration to bring something like that back here. And that was where all the wheels started spinning to found Split Second Foundation and <sighs> do more in the community, really start to address some of the more systemic issues that, that, that we face. First of all, thank you for going away, getting inspiration, and not moving to California, <laughs> where that exists for you, but you came back to New Orleans, and you got took that inspiration, and you brought it back to us here, where we desperately need like all of the new ideas, and all the inspiration, and all of the young people, like yourself, who, who want to improve things, um, and I say that because I'm 40, so I'm, I, I get, you're, I'm older than you. I'm close. <laughs> um, but, uh, so, so, you got this idea, and then what? You have a really impressive board of people. Did is that? Did you start getting getting your people together? How how did you start? How does one start a foundation and change lives? Oh, well, that's a Step great one, question. two, three. Because uh, at the time, I had no idea. Like when I got back, it was just all right. Who do I talk to about starting a nonprofit, and how do I start one and run one, and what are the ins and outs? And I um, I reached out to Joanne Ricci, who used to be with the Greater New Orleans Foundation. And I had a lot of friends in my network who were doing different things around the city uh, in leadership positions that advised me and pointed me in the right direction. And over the course of probably, so I got back in October of 17, between October and April, like we put all of the, the, the little pieces in place to file the paperwork, to found the organization, you know, coming up with the mission. Um, and in the beginning, to be honest, I was very spinal cord injury centric. Like, it took me probably until later in 2018 till I really saw the big picture around disability. Well, it, on your site, on your website, which is excellent, by the way, I recommend you all go to splitsecondfoundation.org. There's incredible resources, but you can also learn the history of the organization. And you mentioned that there's 300,000 people uh, in Louisiana with this, uh, with, is it with neurological Disabilities or with paralysis. With paralysis. Um, and actually, so for the CDC statistics, they say that um, 700,000 people in Louisiana suffer from some type of ambulatory disability, which means they need a mobility device to get around, be it a walker, a wheelchair, a prosthetic leg. In that number, they consider at least half having some form of paralysis from a stroke or a spinal cord injury or other neurological conditions. So to sum up, we have a lot of folks in need of a lot of services here in Louisiana and in New Orleans. So you spent October of 2017 to April of 2018 getting it all together, filing your paperwork, um, and then what? Well, then then we threw this phenomenal fundraiser so we can we could raise the seed money to begin to do the work. Um, and ironically, that first fundraiser was called Dependence Day. So my accident happened on the 4th of July, Independence Day. Subsequently, it was the day I lost my independence. So it was a way that we could celebrate all of those who were dependent on others for care and support, um, while also advocating for more resources and to raise money for a good cause. I, I've got that, and I, I, I understand there's a Dependence Day coming up, and we'll mm -hmm. talk about more uh, Talk about that more at the end, so stay with us, and we'll tell you all about a chance to hang out with Tank and the Bongas. Yes, it's true, um, at your very awesome fundraiser. So what's the work? We've raised the money. What is the work? Uh, so next, uh, in the fall of 2018, 
I actually put myself and the program through Propeller Startup Venture Accelerator Program, where I learned more about uh, marketing, finance, um, what the board should be doing. Like I, I was really intentional about doing all of the executive leadership um, classes and seminars I could, just because I wanted to be an effective leader. Um, and with that, I, I really learned how to focus my board. Uh, I revamped the mission to what it is now. Um, because, again, one in four people in the United States have some type of disability. It's one in three in Louisiana. Like, it's it's that bad. There's more of us. Uh, okay. So you, you created a place mm-hmm. uh, where... All the things that were not available to you, a nice transition from hospital to being an inpatient, mental health counselors to deal with isolation. Um, I mean, I know we, we, uh, we all experienced isolation a little bit during lockdown. Yes. Um, and, and, and that allowed uh, the whole world to get a taste of what it's like for someone with a mobility impairment. Yeah. You, f- you find yourself... Uh, isolated suicide rates are higher. Uh, mm. Mental health is difficult, and that's not really, that's not so much a part of the recovery. It's like, okay, here, go lift your weights, but it's not. Now let's talk about how you're doing. Right. Um, I'm actually, I'm I'm okay. Um, I'm I have my good days and bad days, just like anybody else. Uh, a lot of times, I feel like I put the weight of, um, of everybody on my shoulders because I want to figure out how to solve some of these more systemic problems with real holistic solutions. Um, but I'm good. I, I'm healthy. I'm happy. My family's good. My support system is amazing. My sister just had another a, a baby girl. Woo, Uncle Mark. Right. So so you, you're trying to bring the support uh, and, and mental well-being that you have to others, which is why at the split at the is it is it the split second center split second fitness what is the title of your location so the title for the fitness center is split second fitness okay uh, basically we launched two programs underneath the umbrella of split second foundation split second fitness was the first thing that i wanted to do right when i got back in october of 17 it was we need a gym and we need some place where people can continue their recovery the big issue is people get discharged from outpatient therapy and have no place to go like therapists are referring them to anytime fitness or just local gyms where they don't have, you know, trainers who know how to work with them. Well, I don't even feel comfortable going to one of those gyms and I do not have a mobility impairment. Right. I cannot imagine rolling up with all the beefy gym people and their, their gazes. Yeah, and they, most people just don't understand because disability hasn't really been normalized uh, in, in a way that we're trying to normalize it. So when I was at Propeller, most of my energy was put into developing what the concept for the fitness program would look like and how it would operate. Um, Our plan was to open in the fall of 2019, but um, we, of course, we hit snags and we didn't have the funding right, and then that plan shifted to spring of 2020, and we got hit with a pandemic. Right, Um, right. Mm -hmm. So we weren't able to actually get the doors open to Split Second Fitness until... Uh, February of 2021, um, but we've been open now for five months. We've got we, we've had over 30 members and we've impacted over 30 lives. That's so fantastic, far. and you can sign up. You can fill out an application on splitsecondfoundation.org. And so when when uh, what you're you're doing is you're trying to 
not only is it a place to get training, but there's a community. When you go there, you're seeing other people mm-hmm. uh, with mobility impairments, and everybody's out living life. No one's stuck at home. The, the, one of the most um, heartwarming things for me when I, is when I see like the members interacting with each other, sharing stories, giving each other advice. Um, and to be clear, this isn't a gym just for people in wheelchairs or with mobility issues. I mean, we, we've got blind uh, members. We, we've got members. Um, so this is accessible all around. It's for anybody, you know, with, it's, it's for everybody. Okay, it's, so the people on staff there are trained to assess a patient and develop an individual exercise program for that person. Mm-hmm. So our director was actually my physical therapist when I was an outpatient. So I built that relationship with her very early on. And when I thought about opening this program, she was like my go-to. Like, I I want you to come. Oh, wow. um, I'm so glad you got her. Me too. Um, But she's amazing. She does most of the evaluations and um, really designs the exercise programs that our staff implements. Um, But we we have different levels of abilities, right? So some of my clients can do most of the stuff themselves. They just need some help getting set up. And then some of them are more uh, have more need than... Right. Someone's with them, helping them with every exercise the right. entire session. Right. Sure. Um, that, I, I want you to have 300 clients. How many, you say you have 30 now. What's What would be your, your dream setup? How many folks can we get for you? I think we want to get to a point where we see, we're seeing five per hour. Um, you know, just uh, I think that would actually be our capacity. But our future vision for this is building a rec center, like 10,000 square feet of fitness and exercise uh, equipment, uh, a swimming pool, a basketball court, a tennis court, a place where kids with developmental disabilities can come yes. and feel comfortable, like really building out the community. And then, so that would be like my phase one idea. Oh, I'm sorry. That's phase one because that sounded like phase five. Okay, so the so the so your 10,000 square foot arena is, is phase one. Please tell me about the rest of the phases. Well, the, the, the other big need is for, for um, accessible living spaces or an intentional community for people with disabilities. So for people who don't have that support system, when they get discharged from inpatient therapy, they end up in a nursing home. Uh, a lot of them don't need to be in a nursing home. They just need to be in a community that can support them and has CNAs available, certified nursing assistants available to help them for the two hours or three hours a day that they need help. Right. right. And then also to live in a structure that is built so they can they can accommodate it with their chair mm-hmm. or whatever they need. Counters are at the right height and every right. so it's uh, so that would be or just like a, a place where everybody understands that you're going through something, whether you had an amputation or or a stroke or a spinal cord injury. Right. Like we're all going through something, but we don't always um, uh, it's a ton of people walking down Magazine Street right now with a disability that you can't see. Okay, I, I want to invest. This is genius. Um, so, so phase two, an entire community. Mm-hmm. I love that. And talk to me about your split-second fitness. Is there is that cash? Is it insurance-based? Like, how do you, how do folks pay for it? So, initially, we had a regular gym model. Uh, there was a membership fee and then an hourly one-on-one session cost. Just like a personal trainer. Yep. Um, but what we noticed was the cost was a huge barrier to entry for 
this population. 80% of people with disabilities live at poverty. Right, and you were paying $100 an hour in California. I couldn't afford it then. <laughs> so I Thank actually, I'm very grateful for, to you for finding the money or going into debt because you really brought such a great thing back to New Orleans. Continue. <laughs> well, what I, what I ended up doing in late April was just slashing the cost, and now it's just a membership program. So if, if for anybody who wants to sign up, it's a $50 membership per month. Uh, and we subsidize the rest of the cost of the, you know our overhead and operating um, to facilitate this need for the community. I just said screw it. I'm gonna I'm gonna just fundraise. Yes. Gonna, okay. Go to, if I gotta go stand on the corner with a cardboard sign and say please support Split Second Foundation, that's what I'm gonna do. Well, Mark, uh, that brings us to. Dependence Day, um, which is quite frankly the best looking fundraiser I have seen in a long time. Uh, it is going to be in, coming up this August and featuring, I don't know, one of the hottest groups to come out of New Orleans since I don't know when, Tank and the Bungas. Uh, so tell us about Dependence Day. So this will be our third annual Dependence Day fundraiser. And we've actually given this one a theme um, that I, I just I, I'm in love with. It's called A Show of Love. Um, and because when I woke up in the hospital on that first day, I just had this tremendous show of love from, from the city, from my friends, from my family. Um, and it, it triggered a thought in me that so frequently when tragedy happens or when someone dies, we gravitate towards those people in need to give them that support, that show of love, right? Um, but when we're at the repast, we always say stuff like, "Let's let's not wait for the next funeral to do this, right? Let's 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 plan something and get together." And and this was where that thought came from. This is our opportunity to really just get the whole city, the whole community together, and have a huge show of love uh, to support a noble cause to help people with disabilities. Um, so the event is Friday, August thirteenth, at Generations Hall. It's going to start at 7 o'clock with a VIP cocktail party. Um, tickets for that are $200. We're going to have a performance by Robin Barnes in that time frame. Robin Ooh. Barnes and her husband, Pat. I'm so excited. Robin's <laughs> been a friend for years. Um, so I really love like tying my friends into this. Uh, and then the, the Show of Love Gala, gala will start at 8.30. Uh, tickets for that are $100. Um, we've got a ton of restaurants. We're actually going to release a press release with all the restaurant list and all the details for the event probably later next week. Um, and then Tank and the Bang is to close it out with a, with a huge performance. Uh, so I'm just really excited. Um, you should be. That's a great lineup. You have a lot of people in your corner. Yeah. That means you're doing some really, really good work, y'all. You can go to splitsecondfoundation.org. You click events. Then you'll see the Dependence Day information. You click purchase tickets. I will be there. If you want to see what Babs Wood looks like in person, you can come find me and my husband because I can't wait. My bedtime is usually about 8 o'clock, but I'm going to drink some espresso and stay up and attend the party. Um, hey, real quick, <laughs> what's going on with these ADA accessible streetcars? Your work with the RTA, I just total segue. Uh, here we have two ADA accessible streetcars. Tell me about them. So we actually have three, um, and, and that was, it stemmed from a, a lawsuit that started in 2010, um, but it was one of those common sense things when I, when I heard about it. As a board member, I was, you know, kind of like, why are we fighting this? Why is this 
it just seems like common sense, right? Let's let's add a lift to them. Uh, the challenge, though, has been on the St. Charles streetcar route. There aren't enough. Um, there isn't enough width on the neutral ground to make all of the stops accessible. So right now we only have six um, intersections that have the accessible stop, uh, and that's something that I'm I'm working to figure out how we can we can change. Uh, whether that's incorporating some new streetcars um, where where we have level boarding, so instead of having a lift that folds down and then drops down. Because you need the the runway to get off of it, somebody would just be able to roll wide onto the streetcar. Oh, okay, right. Um, while still having the historic streetcars, of course. Um, I'm not trying to have the whole city come fight me. Oh <laughs> no! Well, but that's the thing. Just like in uh, right before the Super Bowl a few years ago, when the French Quarter got got wheelchair ramps on the corners. That's just that's the that's what it has to be. People like. Right. The society is for everybody, not just people on feet. It's for people in wheels. Well, it, it, it always brings this um, interesting confrontation for me. It's uh, it's like historical preservation versus functionality um, and progress, to be honest. You know, I, I think um, a lot of times people in New Orleans get caught up in the preservation of things instead of thinking about how we can incorporate little change to make progress. I think that's so beautifully said. Um, looks like we're just about out of time. I want to thank Mark Raymond Jr., CEO of the Split Second Foundation, uh, for being with, with us today. You can learn more at splitsecondfoundation.org. Their Dependence Day fundraiser is coming up August 13th at Generations Hall, uh, featuring Robin Barnes at the patron party and Tank and the Bangas closing out the show. Um, thank you so much for joining us here on Public Affairs, WRBH 88.3 FM. I am Babs Wood, and it has been a pleasure to spend the half hour with you. Thank you so much, Babs. 